Hello there. This is Dee, and welcome to episode 127 of the Benzo Free Podcast. Wanted to reach out and say hi because it is right now 3.14 a.m. on November 7th. I'm laying in bed and can't sleep. Woke up about midnight after a couple hours of sleep. Been laying around here listening to a podcast. Watching a few videos. Trying to figure out how to get back to sleep, which many of you have done and I have done many times. And I thought now's a good time to record. I've done this before. For those of you who listen to the podcast for some time, you realize that um, sometimes I just pick up the recorder and I start talking. I'm going to cover a few things about what's been going on with me lately and what's been going on with using anxiety lately and the podcast and also where we're going um, and some of the work we're doing. So I wanted to touch base and, and catch up and share some struggles I'm having that I know many of you have gone through and I realize sometimes it's that connection that helps us that helps us you know persevere might be the right word I think my voice is a little lower (laughs) it is often when I'm laying down in bed and just woke up or you know not sleeping or you know how it is anyway um So, I don't know, I kind of like it. (laughs) It's not intentional, I'm not trying to do anything, I'm just... Sometimes my voice just drops an octave or so, and that's where it is, and that's where it is right now, so... If I got a little bit of touch of the Barry White going on right now, I'm I'm okay with that. (laughs) I I could do a lot worse, so... So, I've been struggling a lot more in the past couple months, past six months, past nine months. Um, I've shared with you, I even wrote a po- I wrote a blog post recently that said doing better, um, but then I'm struggling again. It's up and down. Um, it's just life. And I think it's a combination of different things. I've had symptoms come back this year stronger than they had been in a while. And I don't always share that with you because, you know, I'm also trying to be positive and I, I know people look to me sometimes as, hey, this is where I may be with my withdrawal from benzodiazepines and bind and everything. And, and um, you know, you're not going to be. I mean, I, I always want to emphasize that our stories are so different and please don't use my journey as an example of what yours may be. I made a lot of mistakes, you know, and and done things and I have other conditions that exacerbate where I'm at and so... There's a lot of factors for what I'm going through, not just the benzodiazepines, so that's still probably the core of what I deal with. But that symptoms come back, went through a lot of different medical procedures early in the year. More recently, insomnia has come back a little bit, at least occasionally. Kind of cyclical. Acacia has come back some, and some other symptoms that I've had before, but it cycles through, and I work through it as we all do. 
it's, it's been hard to get work done. It's been hard to get motivated. It's been hard to, to just to just to do things. And, and one of the key things that I've struggled with lately has been this fatigue. I mean, I can have all the energy in the world one day and then the next day I am just so fatigued. I can't get much done. And I understand that's a common thing with long COVID, which my wife and I kind of think got off of our last COVID bout last December. Although, I mean, who knows how many times we've been exposed to COVID. The truth is, like the flu, like colds, it's out there. You're probably exposed to it. Maybe you get it in a mild form and you don't even know it. So this is not uncommon. And so we may have had it more times. We may have been exposed more times. We just don't know. Anyway, it does seem to leave this lingering effect with me and with many people. And for me, one of those things is just this severe fatigue. So that's been part of it. I've been in physical therapy trying to get some of my um, ongoing limitations from bind working, you know, working better and I'm struggling with that and I'm struggling with eating and, you know, with diet. It's just, it's, it's been just a struggle lately. And I, I, I think we all get in those patterns sometimes. I'm no different and I struggle sometimes. And I think it's important to share my struggles with you all to connect, to talk about what we're all going through. But I want to apologize. Um, I, I think I did a blog post a little bit ago about saying I'm sorry all the time. And, um, and I do, and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna apologize for apologizing, but I want to apologize that, um, I, I haven't, I didn't do a podcast last month and I didn't do it in the beginning. So it's been over two months, I guess, since I've done a podcast that wasn't intentional. It's not by design and it's not a sign that the podcast is going away. So for those that are counting on it and looking forward to it, please realize it's been my own personal struggles lately of trying to get things done and feeling completely overwhelmed, completely fatigued, and and lost too. And I get lost sometimes of my direction and where I'm going. And And it's weird because it's a sense of loss that's also in the midst of a lot of really exciting things happening at Easing Anxiety. Um, teaming up with Doreen Shervin, teaming up with some other people. Um, and all that's going to come out here really soon. And I've said that, and I know some of you have hung with me for so long because I keep saying, the new site, are these new things? And please, yeah, um, <laughs> I'm sorry about that. Um, I, I'm just, I'm sharing with you what I've been going through, not making excuses, just giving you some background of what's going on. And it's just been a struggle and, and all these other jobs that I've been picked up along the way, um, have kept me really busy. The research teams are still going strong and I'm doing a lot of work there. And, um, and actually today I am training a benzo peer training course. So I got six hours of teaching and I was hoping I'd get a better night's sleep before that. Um, but I'm just going to have to wing it off two hours sleep, it looks like. And that's how things go. So, um, but that course is sold out and um, looking forward to teaching that class. And that's that program of benzodiazepine peer support training that we have developed through the Benzodiazepine Action Workgroup. And that workgroup also keeps me really busy. 
so I'm still doing a lot of things um, and a lot of work on easing anxiety behind the scenes and developing and planning. Um, but at the same point, I've been really struggling with fatigue and overwhelm and even the sense of, you know, lack of purpose sometimes of trying to figure out where's the next step for this? Where's the next step for me? And that's one of those things that I'm trying to deal with. So I'm trying to figure all that out. I have periods of time when it's hard for me to do, you know, extra work and a lot more work. And in times when I'm just fatigued and times when I'm, I spend three hours straight working and then suddenly I just have to go take a nap because I'm exhausted and then get back up and work another couple hours. And that's how a lot of my days have been lately. And then, like, like I said, the next day then I could have all the energy in the world. It, it's, it's weird. And um, some of you may know what I'm talking about and may relate. It's, in my mind, it's a combination of bind of the benzos and long COVID. Um, I think these two, we're learning more and more about how they interact. And we've talked about that before. But I've been meaning to sit down and record this podcast for several weeks now. And finally, I'm doing it. And just so you know, this is one of probably two podcasts coming out very soon. I am going to be sitting down with Doreen Shervin, who I've been teaming up with over the last, what, six months now, I guess, on planning out easing anxiety, our direction, where we're going. You've seen her on the blogs. If you're on our blogs, if you're not, please check it out. And, you know, at our website at easinganxiety.com, you can sign up to our mailing list and you can get emails whenever we put a new blog post out. Each one of us are working hard on, on getting that content on a more regular basis. And that's one of the things I'm really trying to focus with where we're going with this is being more consistent with delivery of our content, listening to you all and finding out what you need and and figuring out which you know direction we want to go and getting more anxiety content out, getting more benzo content out and try to keep all that going. So I'm not going to talk too much about what our plans are because that um, podcast with Doreen takes place um, Thursday. So in a couple of days, we'll be recording that and I'll probably get it out this weekend. So in that one, we'll both be talking about some of the plans and we have going forward. So please stay tuned for that. Um, but a lot of stuff that we've been working on, a lot of stuff we're trying to get in place um, and trying to keep moving forward. So, hmm. oh, It's weird just laying here in a dark room, I think. Many of you have done this. We all know that with benzos, anxiety might be the number one condition, you know, the drugs are prescribed for and that so many of us deal with and it's so insidious in how it can affect our lives. But right behind that insomnia is another significant factor. And many people have taken benzodiazepines and or Z drugs, um, non-benzodiazepines because of insomnia or have developed insomnia coming off the drugs as I have. And it's tough. And it's one of those things that, you know, I've worked with some people independently recently on insomnia and helped them with some tools of how to deal with it. And I'll admit, I get up and I get that frustration, especially, especially when you know you need to sleep. This is one of those nights, you know, I'm teaching a course tomorrow <laughs> and I want to be on my game and I'm doing, I think, two thirds of the talking tomorrow. I, I teach with um, this class I'm teaching with the, the co-instructor and she's um, 
um, the one who owns the training company that we consulted with to develop this training. So we usually go ahead, we go back and forth and that's how this training goes. It's two day training, um, six hours each day. So 12 hour total course. Um, this is a Colorado course we're teaching, but we're starting to launch some other states and a national course coming up soon. So if you're interested, please check it out. It's benzopeertraining.org if you want to learn more about that course. But, you know, it would be really good to have a good night's sleep going into teaching this course tomorrow. I'm not worried about teaching. I've taught before, but this one sold out at 25 people. We even have an extra person, I think, on it. And um, with that many people, you want to be on your, you know, best, you know, mental game. And sometimes, as we all know, when you know you need to get sleep is when sleep evades you. And that's where I'm at. I slept, got a couple hours in until about midnight. But then I woke up, went to the bathroom, which I do a couple times through the night. It's not uncommon. And usually I come back and go back to sleep, but this time that didn't happen. And so you lay here in a dark room, staring at the glow from a fire alarm, you know, one of the smoke detector things. That's the only light on in the room. Listening to the tinnitus in my right ear <laughs> pulsing, which is pretty common for me, one of my symptoms holding this recorder and talking to you. I miss you all. Sorry I haven't been talking to you lately. But I miss you all. I miss the feedback. I miss the correspondence. I miss this. And I, I got caught up in a lot of other things and... We're pulling back. I'm pulling back to focus more on our podcast, on our blogs, on our site, on providing more support. Um, and I'm pulling back from some of these other other things. Over the next six months or so, I'm I'm pulling back and focus more on this channel, and I'm excited about that. Um, and we're figuring things out. And I got a good team that we're building and some other people that have been interested that have reached out that we're putting together here. And it's I'm really excited about it, so... But still, I'd prefer to sleep right now. <laughs> I wish I could. I just love to read. I love to listen to podcasts. I listen to other people. In fact, I was just listening to a, a podcaster that I listen to quite frequently. And, um, and he was talking about, you know, different things. And one of the things he was talking about was just this figuring out what you want to do and getting lost and you know, isolating yourself and all these things that I did, like in Benzo and my withdrawal and bind and, and all these kinds of stuff. And it was kind of hitting me. And, and as I was listening, I was saying, you know, I should record some of these crazy thoughts going through my head <laughs> as I do. And I appreciate you putting up with me as I do this, but, but it's what I do. I don't know. I'm, I'm just rambling here and I do that, <laughs> but, um, when you, when you can't sleep, <laughs> your mind kind of goes a little scattered, you know. And I, 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 it's funny because some of the best feedback I've had in the past was from these like early morning podcasts or middle of the night podcasts when, um, when we can't sleep or when we can't get our symptoms to ease and we're 
overwhelmed and we're struggling and we're alone and we're wondering where the next steps in life is going to take us. And it's a, not just a benzo problem. It's a, not just an anxiety problem. It's a human problem. I struggle with all these things myself and I just want to make sure I always share it with you. Not always that I can share it with you. I was, I was watching an old episode of house, you know, the medical program house. Um, it's on reruns on, I think Amazon prime or something. So we, my wife and I are watching it periodically to, we never watched the whole series. So we're just kind of binging, not binging, but watching it periodically anyway. And um, it was one where this woman was, you know, he's, he's a diagnostician. He's trying to figure out diseases, if you've never seen the show. So he's this top diagnostician, medical doctor, who tries to figure out what's wrong with people. And the woman that came in was, it was played by the, the gal from the 70s show. I don't remember her name. Um, but she was there, and she was a blogger. And where she blogged everything about her life, everything. And her boyfriend was there sitting next to her. And and I was just kind of thinking, kind of cringing, looking at her. I was like, oh, my God, you have to put your entire life out there. Why? And, and realized that it was, you know, how addictive that became for her to do that, to, you know, get that constant feedback. And it was funny because I, I sensed a little bit of that in what I've done here. And... um you know, when I get feedback of, hey, your podcast really helped me or it saved me or this, it's like, that's that. It's a drug. It's a drug sometimes. And, um, you know, and, it, and it's great because it motivates me to do more, which is a good thing. It motivates me to do more content. But when I, and when I don't have that, I'm not as motivated. Um, of course, you're also dealing with the fatigue and overwhelm, but that's a long story. Um, but I just thought it was interesting looking at her and thinking, I don't want to be like that. And, and, and I'm not, but I, I got a taste of it and I got a sense of it. And it's good to keep that balance. And, you know, one of the things um, with a new podcast I'm launching here coming next year and other stuff like that, I want to talk a little bit about that, about finding that balance in life. Finding that, you know, I've always been a big moderation guy about in life. It's like most things, most things in life, not everything, most things in moderation are okay. And, and if we find that middle ground, we can usually get through life pretty well. But it's when, when we go to the extremes that we wind up really running off the rails. And I don't know, I think that's a common thread. I, 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 I learn in a lot of the books I'm reading. I learn a lot of the podcasts I listen to is, is finding that common ground using common sense, you know, and, and helping us kind of get through life without, you know, going too far off one direction or the other. And I think I did that too. I think I just, I did too much. I was tackling too much. I was in too many organizations and I was, you know, working seven days a week and, and all this kinds of stuff. And, and I didn't want that life anymore. I just didn't. And so I started pulling back and tried to keep my weekends to my wife and I and our family and our friends and, um, and try to get a regular, more work schedule, you know, and, 
And then the fatigue hit me and I had even less time because I was tired all the time. And it's just, but I was struggling with that. And I just think it's interesting how, you know, where our motivation comes from. You know, I think that's true in benzos and in bind and in us healing and in us developing tools to get through this and learning how to manage this and bettering ourselves is where do you get that motivation to help you do that? I still struggle with it all the time. I know my diet right now is not great. And I've been trying to start to diet and eat better for about six months. <laughs> starting and stopping, starting and stopping, starting and stopping. I've not been very good at it. Now, I've done it in the past. I've done it for long periods of time in the past. But I'm having a lot of trouble starting this one. I think part of it's this fatigue. But part of it's also, like I mentioned, being kind of addicted to the responses to um, from you all about the podcast. I'm addicted to food, even more so. <laughs> and I, I love food and, and the taste of food and being able to eat what I want to within reason. You know, but a, but a nice, you know, and I'm, I still try to eat healthy part of the time, but not always. But it's something that lifts my spirits a little bit, and it's something that makes the day go by a little better, and it's something I look forward to. And when that's restricted, it's weird. It's just, it's my mood is really closely tied to the food I eat, and that's how I realize that's an addiction for mine. It's something I'm working on and, and, and try to get through the process. But, I mean, I have these downfalls, and I have this... And, but finding the motivation to improve, finding the motivation to get to the gym, you know, two or three times a week to exercise, trying to find the motivation to get up early when it's dark and the times changed and to go out and, you know, jog or walk or something. It's hard to get that motivation and it's hard to get the motivation to develop anxiety skills, to really work at them. And it's hard to get the motivation to you know, go see a doctor about one of your symptoms or to, you know, do some good habits for your insomnia. And, and it's hard to have the motivation to maybe go try some counseling. Or if that counselor doesn't work, another counselor or another counselor. Because it can take a long time and it's so hard to do that. And where do we get that motivation? How do we motivate ourselves? We know the long-term goals. And we know that doing these things will feed that long-term goal. And that's going to be a pretty nice goal. But the short-term pain or difficulty or, or denial of pleasure in the short-term often supersedes the long-term goal. I think we've all done that. Um, many people in today's world are, I don't want to use the word addicted necessarily, but very dependent on their phones, on social media, on texting, on, I mean, I see it, you know, my wife does it a lot. I see her on her phone all the time. For me, it's YouTube. I flick on YouTube on the TV and I watch YouTube videos. I can just watch those hours on end. She's on her phone the whole time. <laughs> and we try to stop that. That's not healthy. It's not that these things aren't healthy inherently, but overdoing them can be. And so finding the motivation to 
make life changes that will benefit us in the long run, but may mean some sacrifice of pleasure or some pain or difficulty in the short run, is a life struggle that, you know, humans have been dealing with for ages and ages and ages. And I'm bringing this up now because I have no idea what the answer is. I'm just talking. But I think finding that that consistency, finding that discipline, and that's where I've been lacking lately is a discipline. I mean, I had a lot of discipline early on in my Benzo withdrawal because the pain of not following it was so severe. First coming off the drugs, I came off of 12 years of clonopin, as many of you know, 18 months taper, and then those first few years off the drug completely were pure hell. And I, you know, I didn't want that. <laughs> I mean, who does? So I was motivated to avoid the pain. Anything that might, even in the short term or long term, Helped me, so I did meditation regularly. I went to yoga all the time. I was exercising. I was eating right. I was doing all these great, wonderful things. And it helped. It helped a lot. It got me through the really hard times of benzodiazepine withdrawal and early bind. Now, here's the interesting part, is, and some of you may relate to this. As we start to feel better we start to return to normal ways of life. And some of those things, like a little bit of the meditation drops off, or maybe I just don't have the time to go to yoga class right now. Or maybe, you know, hey, I can grab a, a quick hamburger at Wendy's for lunch and then get back to work, and I'll eat right, you know, next, you know, tomorrow or something. And then that starts to become your new habit. And then you start to put on a little weight which I've done. And your muscles start to ache a little more, which might have been. And then you get COVID a few times, <laughs> which many of you have had COVID. And that's added other factors to how you're doing. And your symptoms come back and they're stronger. And I realized that maintaining those habits may not have prevented all of this, you know, the COVID and the fatigue and everything else, but it would have helped me deal with that so much better. And that's where I'm at. So I think it's time to get my act together. I think it's time for me to start moving forward instead of backward. I think it's time for me to Become the person I want to be instead of the person I've defaulted to. <laughs> and I, I feel like I'm, I'm there. I can do it. I've started PT for my pelvic floor dysfunction. And I think that's going to make a difference. That's going to help me some. You know, another one of the carryover symptoms from my bind. And I'm excited about that. And I, I got insomnia tonight. You know, so what? I'm going to be okay, and tomorrow night I'll probably sleep, and I'll get through the train. I may not be 100%, but I'll probably be 90 or 85, and I'll manage it, and 
nobody else will know, of course, unless they happen to listen to this podcast. <laughs> but I'm going to get through this. And I'm going to do it because I know in the long run, life's going to be better. And sometimes I have to get into that habit and sacrifice a little bit of what I like doing or what I want to be doing for that long-term gain. And it's funny because once you get started on that, once you've done it for a couple of weeks, it's much easier to keep it going. It's much easier to keep moving forward. But I'm talking here from somebody who's has some moderate symptoms kicking in, not severe. And many of you are still there. And some of this stuff that I'm talking about is beyond you at this point. You're just trying to get through each day. And I get that. And all I have for you is to say the proverbial hang in there. <laughs> It does improve, and it does. It does. So many of us have done so much better, and I'm hearing, I mean, I've done this podcast for over four years now, four and a half years, and I'm amazed at the people that write into me still and are saying now, hey, I haven't written in a while, and I just want to let you know how I'm doing. And boy, those emails are great. You know, people who have finally found that turn and, and I, I hate the term, we've talked about this, getting back to normal, because I don't think that's the direction we should have been heading in the first place. But who have gotten back to a more positive, good life. <laughs> Let's put it that way. And, and the reason why I don't like the getting back to normal, because normal's where most of us were that led us to take medications to and started down this path in the first place. So I like to come out of this better than that. And that's why I don't always say, you know, I don't like to say we're getting back to normal. Hmm. This is nice. I like chatting with y'all. I know I ramble on and I know my topics are all over the place. But, you know... Four days ago, I turned 58. I'm 58 years old. Some of you I know are older than me, and some of you are younger than me. And I don't know. Birthdays aren't a big thing for me or for my wife. We just kind of, you know, take receive a few cards and a few well wishes, but we're happy to let it kind of... We usually take each other out to dinner because our birthdays are close. So we take it out and we go out to dinner once and... Um, and enjoy that together, but you know, it, it's not a milestone and I don't mark it that often. But still, as those milestones come along, you kind of look back and think about things that that you tell the younger you if you could. And maybe there are some people out there in their early 20s or late teens or something that are listening. Not a lot. I know most of our population is more my age or older, but maybe there are some. And what do you say? I mean, this world is so different from what I grew up in. Good, bad. I mean, I'm not the one to decide if what's going on now is the right direction. Um, 
I grew up at a different time with different values. And, um, and that's okay too. But what are those real gems, you know, that maybe you've observed? Because with age comes wisdom, not always. Well, let me put this way. I think with age comes wisdom, but it also comes baggage and it also comes personality issues. And it also, I mean, so there's a lot wrapped up in there. But it's hard to believe that somebody who hasn't lived longer than somebody else hasn't figured some things out because they've lived longer. Um, I've learned a lot of what I've learned from other people, especially people who are older than me who have told me, you know, little gems or quotes from famous people or something. And some of those really have stuck with me and I've really appreciated them. But sometimes it's a good thing to think about is, what would you tell the younger you? I think one of the things that I've realized in the last year more than anything, and I think this plays in with Benzos and Bind really well, is being okay with myself. I think I mentioned that in the blog post about saying I'm sorry all the time, and I, I mentioned it in some other podcasts along the way, but... Getting to know yourself, figuring out who you are. And I don't mean this from, I think it's a different thing when you say it to somebody who's 21 to somebody who's 58. Saying it to somebody 21 is, I think, more, I, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, I think there are some people who are 21 who are very deep and very in touch with themselves. And I get that. But mostly it's about what do you want or, or you know, what do you want to become and where are you headed and and it's more of a superficial kind of, you know, search for figuring yourself out. But in your 50s and as you get older, I think it's more about noticing your flaws and being okay with them. Noticing the quirks and being okay with them. Noticing that I am this way and that's okay. And I'd, I don't mean that from... It falls into the, I think the, oh, I don't know how to talk through that. Um, I think it falls into, sometimes with language, as you, you might know, it falls into, you know, the terms that are out there in social media and everything. And it, oh, you mean this or this or this. And I'm not talking about what's in the songs and everything of millennials and Gen Z and stuff like that. I'm talking about just, oh, it's hard to explain it. It's a different sense of knowing yourself from the one we experience in our 20s it's just it's just different and this one's more a little calmer a little more relaxed a little more community focused a little more a little less selfish i hope a little more empathetic I don't know. Maybe a lot of people in our 20s are that way. I'm not putting down any generation. I never want to because we all have our own struggles and we all have our own amazing gifts from every um, generation along the way. But for me, instead of always trying to find a way to fit in, to better myself, to belong, which has always been a struggle for me, 
instead starting to accept, hey, I sometimes talk loud. It's just who I am. That came up a few weeks ago with um, a family member, I won't say who, but a family member who, in the middle of a conversation, came over to me and said, could you bring your voice down? I can't hear. And I was embarrassed because this person said this in front of other family members and it annoyed me and it irritated me. Because I do that sometimes, especially when I get excited and I like the conversation I'm in. My voice raises and I'm just getting into it and that's where I was. And suddenly somebody came along and said, hey, keep your voice down. It's like, okay, and it just kills that whole mojo you had going on and and this is something i've done i used to talk very fast and still do on occasion on this podcast not right now and i used to talk very loud and still do sometimes but you can go a couple ways with that one i mean a few ways i think one is you can get mad at that person um and just resent it which i did a little bit but, and then I let it go because I realized it was just a hearing issue and they were trying to listen to somebody else talking and I was over with another group talking. So, you know, that's probably not the right response. Another one is to get really down on myself, like, oh my God, which, you know, I do and I've done many times in the past and say, oh my God, that's, you know, that's just, I got I to gotta fix that and I can't believe I'm so embarrassed. I'm so ashamed and just get quiet and shut down. A third option is just to say, oh, I could probably bring my voice down a little bit, and I'll try to do that. I could get mad, but I'm not going to right now. But just continue on the conversation I'm having. And the third one's the one I I chose. And realize, hey, I do that sometimes. I sometimes talk loud. I sometimes don't sleep at night. I sometimes think only of myself and not of others. More than sometimes. (laughs) I try to improve that. But these are the things that I realize about myself. And and while that's not an excuse not to work on them at times, because if you see things and you see it as a flaw, then maybe it's something you'd like to work on changing. And it doesn't mean I'm not going to try and improve myself. I think that's a very good thing to do. But I can also accept myself for who I am and what I do. I don't know. I don't know, but this last year I just feel like I've gotten a little more accepting of just me being me and realizing, hey, I don't always fit in. I don't always belong. And this is something I've dealt with. I'm a people pleaser. I've always tried to fit in with groups. I've always tried to belong. And a lot of times I didn't. And I put a lot of value in people's opinion of me. But it's so funny how we focus so much on the people who don't like you and so little on the ones who do, who want to hang out with you. I have a wife of 27 years who's amazing and still loves me and still wants to spend time with me. Okay, that's a huge win. (laughs) Huge check mark. I have a best friend who still wants to spend time with me and likes hanging out with me. Bing, bing. Two huge 
checks. I have extended family who still likes to hang out and spend time with me. That's a lot of people right there. I have some friends. I have some friends through the podcast who seem to like talking to me. Seem to think maybe I'm helping them. Why focus on the groups that I don't belong to? Why focus on the groups that don't seem to want me to be part of their group? I mean, I kind of know where that comes from. and You know, work on that. But, ah, I'm rambling. Let's see what time is it. It is, well, 3.58. God, I feel like I've been talking for 10 minutes, and I guess I've been talking for much further, so I am rolling over. If you hear any kind of static, it is because I moved around the microphone. Here, so sorry about that. I don't know if I'll leave this as a whole and podcast or if I'm going to um, edit it down. I don't know yet. (laughs) I'm trying to streamline my process for recording this podcast. But. I am trying to get more focused, have specific topics we talk about and do all that going forward. It's just this one. This one just kind of hit me and I thought I'd record and hope you're okay with that. Maybe I'll go for a walk in a bit. Maybe do that. It's kind of fun because, not, I guess fun may not be the word, but it's it's a warm feeling. How many people have written to me in the past and said, I I listen to you in bed. And that's what I think this one's good for. It's hopefully maybe this will become one of those kinds of podcasts. I think mostly it's just having a voice for a lot of people. Especially people who are really isolated or people who are really in pain. From bind and the complications of benzos and complications of anxiety. I'm freaking out. Maybe my voice is calming, and if that's the case for them, then I'm I'm pretty happy about that. Maybe they just picture that I'm just a friend laying in the bed next to them, and it's nice to have that company. Maybe I even picture that myself. I broke down the other day. We have a meeting every Friday for our research team. For one of the one of the research teams that I'm on. And this is the one that did the Benzo survey papers and the bind paper and everything. Uh, and um they were talking about um there's a group in Europe, I think, that's a benzo international benzo group that um, isn't big on what we do. Um, still doesn't really think there's a lot of long-term complications from these drugs or it's that severe and all that kind of stuff. And it's annoying. And and it was kind of getting to me. Um, we were going through this as a rebuttal to our paper. And we were reviewing it as a team to see how we might want to respond to their rebuttal. This is typically what happens with research papers. But um, I realized that everybody on the call, um, one of our, Dr. Christy Huff is one of the people on this research team, but she wasn't on it because she's um, dealing with some other issues right now. 
And so the rest of the people were all practitioners. They were all, everybody, um, actually one was a caregiver, I'm not going to say all their names, and the rest the rest were all doctors, three doctors and a caregiver on our research team meeting. Um, I was the only one on the call that had actually been through it. And it, and it kind of, um, and the way they were talking, it was all so clinical, you know, about the response and that, hey, some reports say this, and I get it, and we're a research team, so we have to approach this from science and clinical. And 98% of the time, I'm totally on board there, and that's, that's what we do. I get that. But on a Friday, it got to be a little much for me. 60 years these drugs have been out there. And here's a group of doctors writing papers and rebuttals and saying, and in essence, kind of this isn't real. You know, still calling out that this may not be real, that this is, that we're exaggerating things, that we're overplaying. And it wasn't, there was some definitely good things out of this rebuttal, and I'm not denouncing all of it. I'm just saying, but it just hit me. And I, I just, spoke up in the meeting and said, I just got to say something. And I just started talking. I said, look, you know, it's been a long time. And I know I'm the only one on this call who's actually been through this, but this is really hitting me. This is really frustrating. And I just went off for a couple of minutes, not against them because they're my, they all get it and they're all on our team, but just venting. And I just told them I needed to vent and and then I kind of stopped talking, and they were all silent for a while. Um, and then they went on working on the rebuttal. And, and I think they got it, and they were respectful. And then I dropped off the call right after because I kind of started to hit me. And it was hitting me more and more. And I started to sob, and I just broke down and all out cried. And and when I do that now, it's usually a combination of losing both my parents recently. It's losing my dog a couple of years ago. It's just, it's a lot of things. My cousins, it was a horrible time. And then the benzos and the fact that I still have symptoms and why the fuck do I still have symptoms? And, um, and, you know, it's the frustration so many of us go through. And it's just all these things piling up. And I was just, it hit me and I have those breakdowns sometimes and I, and I allow those breakdowns to happen because afterwards I usually feel a little better. I've learned that. That's another one of those things that with age I've learned is to allow my emotions to be released and know that on the other side, I'm going to feel a little better. And I did. And I did. But it really hit me in that meeting that, you know, we made so much progress. And I know there's so many doctors out there who still don't get it. And so many of you are struggling trying to find somebody who even understands enough to help you with a taper plan or with, you know, your symptoms. And I, I get that. But we have done a lot of work and we have made progress. And we've had that FDA warning come out in 2020. And it's like... You really felt things shifting, and then you get letters like this, and it just sets you back a bit, and it's, it just hit me, and all that stuff piles up, and that's how it is. Anyway, anyway, I need to go hit the bathroom. I'll be back.
have you ever been talking to somebody on the phone and well it may not be totally clear maybe they're even trying to hide it a little bit you know that they're in the bathroom <laughs> or just walked into the bathroom or going to the bathroom have you done i that's, that's not that's just not okay for me <laughs> i promise you i will never take my recording into the bathroom <laughs> okay well i want to be open with you all um about things and i want to share with you the struggles i've had that's there's got to be boundaries, okay? There just has to be boundaries. So I'll, I'll never do that to you, okay? So I paused you for a while so I could go use the restroom and come back and climb back in bed. I am, in case you're wondering how I'm doing this, um, being married and all, I'm in a front bedroom right now. Sometimes when I can't sleep, I'll get up and I'll go to our guest room. Um, that way if I have a screen open or if I'm reading a book or something, I'm not looking at my wife. So I'm in our guest room right now. It's just kind of talking to you. So that's why I can do that. So this one is definitely more of a personal, um, sharing. I know sometimes I overshare my personal stuff and that's who I am, as I mentioned, and I'm okay with that. You know what, when I first started the podcast, I think I said in my first episode or two, God, 126 episodes ago, that um, I'm okay if there's nobody listening. I'm okay if there's one person listening. I'm okay if there's two. And and now we average about, I think, three to 4,000 a month that listen to our podcast and um, actually more than that, that's just on our podcast carriers. You add in YouTube and other stuff and it's probably averages around 4,000 maybe in the, in the total a month. So, and you know, it's pretty good. Um, that doesn't come anywhere close to big podcasts or big YouTube channels, but I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. I like, I like where it's at, but I think once you start to do a podcast or a blog or a TikTok channel or whatever you're doing and your only focus is on your 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 um analytics you know how many hits you're getting how many listens how many views you lose your way fast so when i started this podcast i, I mentioned something up front that i'm okay if there's just one person what i want to be is authentic and real and i know those words are thrown around <laughs> like crazy these days and saying them already probably places me in a group with all these other people who pretend to be real and authentic but if you listen to the podcast long enough i think you know who i am and you know that that's accurate for me and i think that's the only way you really know if somebody's authentic or real is to listen to them for a while and Maybe that's the way you can determine, you know, who to be. You know, I have podcasters that I follow that I really enjoy. Um, and I, I get a lot from those. And so when I try to listen to a kind of a cross of different people, and, and it's funny because I take notes a lot of times, and sometimes those notes feed into this podcast. They talk about a topic. I was listening to one the other day. It was talking about meditation. I had some really good insights into meditation. And I was... I thought that was a lot of some of what I've shared with you all in the past and also some some new insights. And I thought that was really 
really good. And one of the core things was something I've mentioned on this podcast a couple times, which is it doesn't have to be perfect. In fact, it never will be. A lot of people say, I can't meditate. Or I've tried, it just doesn't work. And I think we hold ourselves to a ridiculous standard. Um, I don't, I don't think we're ever going to be um, a monk. Um, I'm going to totally get that wrong. But was tested one time and found to be like the was it the happiest person or the most calm person or something on the planet by brainwaves um, because of his incredibly deep meditation technique. And I think it's interesting that, um, you know, that so many people, including myself initially on, think, well, that's what I have to attain and that's where I have to be. And we'll never be there. We just won't. Um, that takes, you know, lifetime of study and practice and complete dedication but as almost all skills in life, if you can take a little of something from it, and that's where I come back to this whole moderation thing that I really like. It's like, it doesn't mean I have to become a meditation guru. But if I can calm myself a little bit, and that's what this podcaster was talking about, um, and it's the same thing I've noticed in meditation. If I just, if I can calm myself a little bit, if I can ease my mind from thinking about, you know, I, I, I would often joke that I go from, you know, 20 thoughts to 12 or 12 thoughts to seven or something. I, I reduce the amount of voices in my head and, and cross thoughts. And, and I have a lot of the, that cross talking in my brain. And if I calm some of that down, it's still a gain. And by thinking, oh, I didn't succeed only makes things worse. And you're being counterproductive. A counselor of mine told me one time, and I've shared this in the podcast before, of block out every day five minutes. That's it. Just five minutes to meditate. If you only get in that five minutes, great. you still got five minutes of meditation in. If that five minutes turns into 30 minutes, even better, which it often does. It's the sitting down and starting to meditate, at least for me, that is the hardest part. And I've started to meditate again. And I'm starting to feel a little better again. Bringing back those habits that I let die out is the path I'm on now. I'm going back to yoga. I'm taking yin yoga again at local gym here. That's the deep stretching yoga. And it's amazing and it's very meditative and it's, it's, it's a lot harder than it looks <laughs> um, because you hold, hold poses of stretching for three to five minutes and it works the fascia, the, the deep tissue. But boy, I did that when I was coming off benzos and it was a lifesaver for me because it helped my muscle pain. I couldn't do half of what they wanted me to do, but the other half I could and I would you know, work with my body. So you don't want to push things, especially when you're locked up coming off benzos. But it was great because it would just start to release some of the muscle tightness and lock up. And, and now I'm, I'm going back to that and starting that class again. And it's really helpful to me because I, I my body had just gotten locked up again. 
I mean, that was every time I got up from my chair, I'm moaning and groaning. And, and part of it's her new dog, Murphy, because he's tugging at me. He's a 60-pound Great Pyrenees Border Collie mix, and he's like, he sees a rabbit, and boy, there goes my shoulder, <laughs> and there goes my body, and he's, he's doing damage to my wife and my body, so that's not helping either. So I need to counteract that. I need to be more limber. I need to, you know, be able to absorb that, and, um, and that, and doing some more exercise, and doing some more weight training, um, doing some interval. Um, my PT is working with me on that, and, um, I don't know, meditation, yoga are two big pieces for me. Exercising is a big piece for me. And I'm trying, I'm starting to eat better. I've, I just cut out, I got back on soda. I was drinking soda. And I had been off soda for years. And then somehow I kind of eased back into it. So I have cut that out again. And I'm drinking mostly water again. And, and so less caffeine, less sugar. Some very simple, basic things. Again, I'm, I'm a moder, I'm about moderation here, and it's like it doesn't have to be extreme. Most of the real things that can change our lives, and that we can stick with, are not the extreme changes. Are not the fad diets or the, you know, the, the marathon training. Well, if that's your thing, great. But for most of us, if you can get up and go for a brisk walk three times a week, you've already made a huge difference. So I'm just trying to get to myself to the gym a couple times a week and, and do yoga a couple times a week and meditate five minutes a day and eat a little better. If I can do those things consistently, awesome. I'm changing my life for the better. And that's what got me through the hardest parts of benzo withdrawal. And I think that's what's going to get me through this next phase that I've entered into. I think that's where I'm going. So hopefully that helps you all. I don't know, but I just think there's, I don't know. I, I just, it's just easy to slip it's easy to slip coming off when you start feeling better. It's easy to let go of the skills that got you here. And I am the perfect example of that. And I guarantee you it's easier to try to maintain those than it is to do what I did, which is let them all fall and then try to start them up again. <laughs> but that's how it is. And that's where I'm at. I've just been struggling lately, and sometimes I just want to get on here and talk to y'all and say, hey, you help me as much as I think I've helped some of you, and, and I'm grateful for that. Oh, there's a thing right there. There's a thing we so easily forget. We know it's so important, and yet we forget to do it all the time. And I am guilty of that too, and that is gratitude. Being grateful for what we have. It seems like it's the opposite of what our world is telling us. Has anybody else sensed that? 
our world is telling us be all you can be, which is a good, it's a good message. Struggle, fight, claw your way to the top. Success is in your reach. Whatever you want to be, go do that. But nowhere in that message is gratitude. Gratitude for what you already have. Gratitude for what got you here. Gratitude for what gave you the opportunity to try and succeed. And trying to succeed is great, but the truth is, if all of us want to be an astronaut, 99% of us are going to be sorely disappointed if that's all we're doing. I'm all for trying to better ourselves. I'm all for having goals. I'm all for seeking, seeking a better life. And, and working hard to achieve things. I think those are good values to have. But I think that needs to be balanced. See, it comes back to balance and moderation. <laughs> I think that needs to be balanced with gratitude, with appreciation for where you are right now, with appreciation of what you have. And... And benzo withdrawal and bind, that's hard. Because you feel like so much has been taken away from you. I get that. I'm still dealing with that myself, too, lately. But all the more time to have those gratitudes. To be thankful. To realize how much we have. Anybody listening to this podcast has access to a phone, an iPad, a computer, something to listen to it. That right there alone is amazing. Most of you have food on your table. Most of you have clean water to drink. Most of you have a roof over your head. Most of you have heat, maybe air conditioning. If you're in the U.S., you have all these privileges of this country. And if you're in other countries, you have those privileges. All the things that people have sacrificed before you to give you where you are now. We forget that so easily. So easily today. And you're not saying these gratitudes so much for the people who brought you things. It's for yourself. It's to appreciate what you have. It's to feel better about where you are. It's to feel better about who you are. And to show that you can be happy with less. But even more so, you can be happy right where you are. I'm grateful that I get to take walks each day with my wife. Not a huge thing. I'm not on an island at some all-inclusive vacation. I'm not being grateful for that. I mean, I would be, but I'm just saying I'm grateful for taking a walk with my wife. I'm grateful that I have the luxury to eat whatever I want to, even though I'm not eating the best things for me sometimes. 
I'm grateful that we have these nice trails behind our house, which I can go walk and run on. I'm grateful for my puppy dog, even though he does try to tear off my arm whenever a rabbit comes along. I'm grateful for the air to breathe and the water to drink. I'm grateful for my wife's family and my family. My family's dwindled down, lost my parents, and I'm grateful that I have her parents now. I'm grateful for people in my life. I'm grateful that I can see people and like them as they are. It's a whole other topic there, but it's a good one. Anyway, one of the things a counselor told me one time was, every night before you go to, go to bed, go to bed, <laughs> hope that wasn't a Freudian slip, every night before you go to bed, write down three gratitudes. And try to make sure that they're different three, so not the same three every night. Just write down three. It just creates a process of remembering things you're grateful for. It creates a little bit of serotonin push in your brain, and it, it helps. Or if you have a meditation practice, kick off your practice each day with three gratitudes. I'm grateful for this, I'm grateful for this, and I'm grateful for this. Now let's meditate. If you have faith in a supreme being, then thank that supreme being for certain things. I have that faith, and so my, the, my most common prayer is simply thank you. Honestly, I say that more than anything else when I sit down, and I don't pray that often. I'm terrible at it. But when I do, it's usually a thank you. It's amazing what that can do. So, something to try. Something to try. But it brings me back to a personality thing that I just kind of ran across with in that one. And that was this. Being grateful for other individuals. Now, this is something I think we've really gotten away from in our world today, and I'll, I'm crossing a, I'm, I'm edging against a boundary here on this podcast, but I think it's important. I, talk, I talked with a family member, I won't say specifically, but I talked with a family member a couple of days ago, and this is a family member that is, is currently not talking to two other family members, <laughs> um, and may never again. And I see that in a lot of families. It bothers me that I see that in a lot of families. I just lost both my parents, and I'd do anything to have them back where I could talk to them. But even during that process, I had um, two people in my life that don't talk at all. Both came to the funerals for my mom and for my dad. But that was the only time they'd seen each other in years, was at that funeral. Actually, it was a brother and sister. Two cousins of mine that are brothers and sister, are brother and sister. And I see it all the time. And I see it in friends who talk about their family and stuff. 
And it can be friends too, but just people that we've labeled toxic, we've labeled, you know, um, whatever it is. It's amazing how quickly we write off somebody. And I feel like it's even more so today with politics and everything else going on. We just, if somebody differs in an opinion with us, we don't want them in our lives anymore. We label them bad or wrong or whatever, evil even sometimes, and say, you know, I don't need you. And not that there aren't some people in your life that are very negative or negative influences on you and maybe you're better off to keep distance. I think that happens. But most of the time this is not the case. There's nobody in my family I don't talk to. And I was just talking to a benzo person um, earlier today. Earlier yesterday, I guess it's yesterday, today is today, yesterday was yesterday. Um, I was just talking to somebody yesterday, a benzo organizer, about how I get along with everybody in the benzo community. There's nobody I don't talk to, although amongst a lot of themselves, they don't talk to each other sometimes or get along. This happens everywhere. Any workplace, any family, any friend, any friendship base. And yet, isolation and loneliness are two of the biggest problems we face right now in this world. As connected as we are electronically, many people have never been more alone and isolated. And that's where I think grace comes in. Grace is a great word. Having a little bit of grace for others, for other people. Accepting that people don't agree with you, but you still like to play golf with them or pickleball or b-ball in the backyard, you know, in the backyard court or or get together to go to movies with or that join your book club or are knitting with you. And yet, you know, you may not get along with everything they say and maybe he or she goes on and on about this and that, but... You accept them as they are. I have another family member who I decided about 10 years ago to accept her as she is, exactly as she is. Just accept her and not try to change her. And I never thought I was trying to change her, but I guess I was. And I just decided to accept her as she is. She hasn't really changed since then. I haven't really changed since then. <laughs> We're both adults. It's probably not going to happen. But we get along pretty well. And that's a really good thing. I wonder why it's so hard for us to accept others as they are. I don't know. I'm not perfect at this, not by a long shot. But if I have one trait that I've you know, one of several traits. I have some traits that I'm proud of. I have some traits I'm not so proud of. But I have some traits that I'm proud of. But I think one trait is I really, truly try to see the good in people. I like people. I guess that's the best way to say it. I like people. I want to like people. 
maybe we overshare too much now with social media and everything else. We know too much about people and make it easy for us not to like people. I don't, I'm not on those places. I have neighbors and I don't know what their political views are. Most of them, I don't know their religion or if they have one. But I enjoy chatting with them, you know, when we meet out in front of the yards and, you know, washing a car or something. Maybe try to have a little grace towards others. Maybe if we did that a little more consistently, we'd be a little less alone. We're all just trying to figure the damn thing out called life. We're all struggling. We all have inner pain. We all have been abused by one person or one system or one thing somewhere along the line, probably by dozens. We're all victims. We're all champions. We're all people. Trying to find a connection with others and talk to them and get to know them, I think is a good thing. Thanks for sticking with me through these hiatuses where I kind of need to take a break for a bit. This wasn't a declared one. It just kind of happened. But I just think I needed to um, figure out a few things. Maybe you've been there. I think you might have. I think we all go through that sometimes. But thank you for that. Um, as I mentioned earlier on, remember this is for um, for informational purposes only and should never be considered medical advice. I'm going to call that the disclaimer. And um, I'm going to wrap this up right now and say please tune in next time, which will be episode 128, which will be out in less than a week, I hope. And that will be the conversation with Doreen Shervin, introduction to her, her background, and us talking about easing anxiety and what's coming up. So please stay tuned. If you've never gone to our website, please do so at easinganxiety.com and subscribe to our newsletter. Keep calm. Taper slowly. And take care of yourself. I'll see you next time.